Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good morning, Bible truth learners and listeners. I hope today is finding you well. We have a lot of bad weather that is expected in the Louisiana area. And as as you all know who um, listen to this podcast in the Louisiana area, we are in the heart of hurricane season. But God has chosen to put his hand over Louisiana and protect his people. And all I can tell you as it relates to that is keep the faith. Now, today we have a new episode. I did have some information to share regarding last week's episode or the final episode of uh, the letter to the Hebrews, but um, I forgot. (laughs) I forgot what it was, but I promise you, you hear me? I promise you that when I remember, I will share it. Now, today's episode is entitled Paul's Letter to the Colossians. Yes. Now, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Colossae back in AD 61. Now, the theme is Christ is supreme over all and we are complete in Christ. Now, Paul never visited the church in Colossae. It's in a small town in the province of Asia, about 100 miles east of Ephesus. Now, Epaphras is a native of Colossae. He was the pastor of the church, okay? He was in jail with Paul when Paul wrote the letter to, uh, or the epistle to the Colossians. Now, I'm going to do something completely different today as it relates to the version of the Bible I will be using. I will be using four different versions. Now, the letter to the Colossians has four chapters. So... In chapter one, I will begin this episode reading the New King James Version. Chapter two, I will be using the ESV, the English Standard Version. And chapter three, I will be reading from the Contemporary English Version. And we will close chapter four with the NIV, the New International Version. Now, one of the reasons I chose to use different versions of the Bible, because as I have shared with you in the past, not all of the versions are accurate. And I study a lot of translations and I also read the Hebrew, the original scriptures and Greek, the original scriptures in the New Testament. And I often compare them with some of today's versions of the Bible or translations of the Bible. 
and I'm here to tell you, you will be surprised. The one with the most errors is the traditional King James Bible, which is also known as the authorized version. It was basically the first Bible written and the new King James. That is very unfortunate because those two versions are the most used versions in the church today, especially the traditional Baptist churches. And they, these two versions are not the most accurate, but we still end up in the same place. Okay. Cause not everybody studied the Greek and Hebrew, but most scholars do. I sometimes consider myself a scholar because I study and research the same information they do. And that doesn't make them any better than me because they attached a title to themselves called scholars. Okay. So with that said, go to chapter one. It doesn't matter which version you are using. We will end up in the same place. Remember, I am using the new King James version to read chapter one, verse one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Now, right there, I know you guys remember, I mentioned that one of the ways we can tell that Paul did not write the letter to the Hebrews is because when he mentioned Timothy, he always referred to Timothy as his son. This is not the same. Okay. Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians in Colossae um, on behalf of him and Timothy. And of course, Timothy is their brother. And Paul says, uh, Timothy, our brother. But when he is talking about Timothy within his um, letters, he always referred to him as his son. Well, Timothy is not his biological son. Timothy is his spiritual son. Verse two, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, we give thanks to God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Verse four, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, verse five, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, verse six, which has come to you as it has also in all the world. And let me uh, read verse six again, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, meaning the gospel and is bringing forth fruit, meaning saving lives as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Now the grace of God in truth is Jesus. Okay. You have to remember that Paul wrote this letter to encourage them first um, thank them for, for staying strong in the faith and for fighting off the false teachers. False teachers are ma the majority of the reason why Paul wrote the letters to all these churches, you know, in first and second Corinthians and in first and second Thessalonians to the church in Colossae, to the, um, church in Galatia, to the Ephesians. Oh yes. And, and, and we can go on and on with that. But false teachers entered the church. And when I say false teachers, I'm talking about the Judaizers 
who were practicing Judaism, some Jews. Now in the church at Colossae, there, there were also some Jewish converts who had become Christians. They believed and accepted that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the one who was to come. And then we had the false teachers, you know, being guided by Satan, going around and entering the churches as if they were Christians and then hear the teachings and learn of their freedoms in Christ where they are not following the laws of Moses because we don't have to. We are under grace. We are not under condemnation, which is what the law brings. We are under grace. And so then they would start talking and trying to teach in a church saying, no, you need to follow this. You can't eat this. You can't do this. Man is something else. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we are going to read those scriptures in this epistle. Okay. Um, verse five again, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, verse six, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Verse seven, as you also learn from Epaphras, Epaphras is their pastor. Okay. Who is in jail with Paul as Paul writes this letter, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Verse eight, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. Verse nine, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Now I want you to remember he's saying in past tense, God has delivered us from the power of darkness. We have been delivered from the power of darkness, which is ignorant of about the knowledge of God and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love, which is Jesus. Okay. Verse 14 in whom we have redemption through his blood, whose blood, Jesus's blood, the forgiveness of sins. There is only forgiveness of sins in the blood of Jesus. You guys need to understand that. You guys need to stand fast on that and don't let anyone discourage you or try to lead you away from that. Your sins can only be forgiven in the blood of Jesus. And if you guys, those who, those of you who are listening for the first time, miss the four part episode of the letter Paul wrote, to, not Paul, but the letter that was written to the Hebrews. We don't know who the author is. Some people say, um, Paul, when I say people, I'm talking about other, uh, leaders, teachers and, um, uh, evangelists and, and bishops and pastors. They think Paul wrote the letters. Others say Apollos or maybe Barnabas. I say 
We don't know because the, the, the author of Hebrews never identified himself, but we know it was an apostle. Oh, that's clear. At the very end of the letter, that's clear. It was definitely an apostle, but it wasn't Paul because Paul closes out all of his letters by mentioning his name and saying he wrote it with his own hands. And in Paul's introduction on in his letters, he always tell us who he is. So why would Paul not tell us he wrote the letter to the Hebrews? So, I mean, to me, this is a no brainer. Uh, now let's continue. Verse 15. He is the image. He who Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, this is not talking about um, firstborn Christians. Now, this is talking about Jesus existed when the before the world was even created. That's what this is talking about. Jesus existed with God, his spirit. Because God is, is a spirit. He's not man. His spirit existed with the living God before this world was created. And as a matter of fact, we are going to read Jesus is the one who created the world. He spoke the entire world into existence and everything in it. Jesus spoke it into existence. Okay. Verse 16 for by him, all things were created. Didn't I just tell you guys that that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities, that's, uh, yeah, or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus owns everything. But right now he's sitting at the right hand of his father, God, and watching as Satan ruins this world. Oh, but it's going to come a time where all of this is going to stop. Trust me, trust me. Verse 17, and he is before all things. Didn't I tell you Jesus existed before everything was created? And in him, all things consist, meaning he is the one holding everything together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence, meaning Jesus is the one name before everyone and on top of everyone. Jesus is the man. Okay, let's break it down to where even the children can understand that. Jesus is the man. Now right here, this is different where it says the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. This means that when Jesus died on the cross and was in the grave, or actually in the heart of the earth, fighting Satan for the keys of death for three days and three nights. And he rose. He's the firstborn. Okay. He is the first one that was resurrected. That is what this is talking about. Verse 19, for it pleased the father, the father is God, that in him, him who Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. All the fullness of what? We're getting ready to read that. Verse 20, and by him, to reconcile all things to himself by him, Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Verse 21. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. These are talking about Gentiles, us, the ones who used to be alienated 
because the Jews were never alienated from God. They were God's chosen people back then. Okay. And you have to understand what, what alienated means. Um, alienated meaning isolated or estranged. That's who we were. We were isolated or estranged from God because we were not his chosen people. We were pagan worshipers. We had our own made up gods. <laughs> okay. And the Jews were cut off from him because they were not in obedience with God's will, but they were still God's chosen people. We were alienated. Okay. And enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled who God has reconciled us to himself through the blood of his son, Jesus. Oh, this is some powerful stuff. Y'all in verse 22 in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and, and blameless and above reproach in his sight. In whose sight? God's sight. Uh, verse 23. If indeed that's the qualifier. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul became a minister. Verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for, for you and fill up in my flesh. What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul is saying he is suffering a lot for preaching the gospel and defending God's church. God's church is his people. Okay. Verse 25. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, when, when uh, Paul says from the stewardship from, from God, which was given to him, it was God who chose Paul to be an apostle. It was God who chose Paul to be an overseer. Okay. It is the spirit of Christ who is inspiring Paul to write the letters to the churches. And these letters, I don't care how many years ago they were written over 2000 years ago are still vibrant today. I, the man you see today, his writings are not in the Bible. The apostles letters are in the Bible. The apostles were human and they had this supernatural power, which was given to them by the Holy Spirit, but they were still man. Now, um, in some things, uh, I consider, uh, the opinion of the apostles, which gives us a right to exercise our opinions, but we're not talking about that, that right now. I only mentioned that to talk about how they are human. But these letters should be read to the churches today. The entire letters, not a scripture. We need to read the entire letters. And at the very end of this epistle, Paul says that he tells the, the church at Colossae to read it at the church of, of, um, I think Laodicea, the church in Laodicea. Paul said that the entire letter is to be read at that church. And the letter that he wrote to the church in Laodicea should be read to the church in Colossae. So you need to ask yourself, why aren't these epistles, the entire epistles being read in your church today? No, we have shows going on lights, camera action, and then cut. And then everybody is physically kicked out the church. The lights start going out. Get out. <laughs> it's sad to me. I have to laugh to keep from crying, but that's why. My ministry that God gave me is based on giving you God's word in its fullness.
You need to hear the entire chapters, not a verse or a scripture that can deceive you. You can deceive anybody reading one verse. And I, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here before I move forward. Um, next week, I will be, we will be touring a um, the writings of a prophet in the Old Testament. Yes, we are moving to the Old Testament next week. I'm not going to tell you which prophet um, I will be reading, but we will be touring the Old Testament next week. Okay. Now let me pick uh, up at verse 24 again. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, to fulfill the word of God. Okay. Verse 26, the mystery. Oh my God. Pay attention to this. Oh, get your pen and paper. Pay attention to this. Highlight verse 26. The mystery which has been had been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. We are the saints. Okay. Now the word Christians was um, developed by non-believers who were mocking us, calling us Christians. But we are referred to in the Bible as saints or believers, okay? You don't have to go through a ritual to become a saint. You become a saint automatically when you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. So you are a saint. So when the word saint or saints is used in the Bible, it is referring to Christians, okay? Verse 27, I want you to highlight verse 26 and verse 7. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Us, we are the, the Gentiles who once were alienated. Remember that, okay? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery of God that was hidden to God's people or hidden from God's people through all the ages. Okay, let's read 26 and verse 27 again, because it is so important. It is the foundation of the letter to the church in Colossae. Verse 26, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. That's us. Verse 27, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles us, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in us by the seal of the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's the mystery of God, that Christ is in his people by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 28, him we preach, him who Jesus, we preach Jesus. Warning every man, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Verse 29, to this end, I also labor striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Now we are getting ready to go into chapter two and I am switching to the ESV. Okay. The English standard version. Okay. Chapter two, 
verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. That's a church in Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face. Now, Paul, for those of you who don't know, never been to the church in Laodicea. Okay. So that's why he is saying this. And for all who have not seen my face or have not seen me face to face. Verse two, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Verse three, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What did we just read? All the treasures and wisdom of knowledge are hidden in Christ. That's where you get the wisdom of God from Christ. You don't get it from religion. You don't get it from Mohammed. You don't get it from Buddha. Okay. Now you can get mad when I say that all you want to. It was man, the government uh, made man or by man who said, if you give people religion, we can control them. Now, right here, I'm going to digress for a second. And um, I'm going to pick up at verse four after I share this. You guys remember the movie, the book uh, of Eli starring Denzel Washington and the people who were chasing him were chasing him because they wanted the Bible that um, uh, Eli had. He was trying to deliver it to, to somewhere for it to be printed and, and shared all over the world or distributed all over the world. Well, it was the Bible. And if you can remember a scene when this evil man and his, his people were, were talking, they were holding a conversation. He said, they were asking him, why did he want this book so bad? And he said, because in it, it has information where we can control people. That was the power in the Bible. And you see, that's Old Testament. But if you let man have their own religion, you can control them. Because you got to remember, by nature, man is in opposition to God. That's just by human nature. Those who are in Christ are the ones who are not in opposition to God, but are obedient to God. Everyone outside of Christ is in opposition to God. And I'm talking about the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is the eternal God. And that's not my words. That's the words of the Bible. God is eternal and Jesus is eternal. God, the father is eternal. And so anybody outside of Christ is not saved. So y'all can fall for the old okie doke all you want to. I don't care how good something sounds to you. Oh, I'm going to join this. That doesn't reconcile you to God. We are only reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. That's it. That's it. Now, verse four, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And now he's getting ready to talk about the false teachers. Don't let them deceive you. New King James says deceive you. Uh, Paul says delude you. Same meaning with plausible arguments. Verse five. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your, your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Paul was excited when Epaphras told him, hey, look, they standing firm. Ain't nobody going to come and deceive them. They are standing firm on the faith in Christ and on the blood he shed on the cross. Okay. Verse six. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him 
root, verse seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive or either deceive you by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And I just explained that to you before I read verse eight. And I shall explain that again because it is so important. Don't let nobody deceive you because something sound good. I had somebody tell me through conversation, he used to be a Muslim and uh, now he's a Christian. He tells me that the only reason he left the nation of Islam is because he loved pork and they don't allow you to eat pork. And so I question whether or not he saved. So if somebody can draw you away because you want to eat pork, because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It has nothing to do with food. So is that the only we reason you, you came to Christ? You know, so I have to question whether or not some people are saved. Why are you claiming to be a Christian? Okay. Is it so that you can have the forgiveness of sins and so that you can be reconciled to the true and living God? the creator of heavens and, and, and the earth, the eternal God, if that's the case, you are saved. But if you are coming to Christ for anything else other than salvation, being saved by grace, you are not saved. And see, a lot of people are not being told this in the church. That's why we have a lot of unsaved Christians running through the church. Mm -hmm. See, I can say Christians because they claiming to, to, to know Christ, but they really don't. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. John in second John, the, the second letter that, that John wrote, he tells you how to distinguish between a false Christian and a true Christian. Yeah, you can go through my, my podcast and look for those, the first, second and third letter of the apostle John. And you read those letters, especially the second letter. And you will find whether or not you are a true Christian. And the good news is that you can become one. Okay. Cause there's only one way to be saved saints. Only one way. Uh, verse nine. Um, let me read eight again. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Okay. Cause this thing is all about Christ and what he did on the cross here. And when I say this thing, I'm talking about salvation. Verse nine for in him, in him, who Christ, the whole fullness of deity or the Godhead, depending on which version of the Bible you have dwells bodily. This is saying that in Christ, the fullness of God was there. It was in Christ, the fullness of God. We all know in the beginning was the word. This is the gospel according to John. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us or tabernacled among us. That's Jesus. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is the walking word of God. Word mean meaning logos. Okay. The word of God, the true word of God was in Jesus. Okay. Verse 10. And you have been filled in him who is the head, who is the head Jesus 
of all rule and authority. So let me, let me say digress here for a second. Now we are reading what God's word says. So why are people playing around with these scriptures? Why are people playing around uh, with who Jesus is? A answer that for me. Send me those emails. Why are people playing around with Jesus? When the Bible is clear about who Jesus is. Verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Let me explain this. The circumcision that is made without hands is circumcision of the heart, the seal of the Holy Spirit, okay? That sealed us under the new covenant. Now the circumcision made with hands was the circumcision of the flesh, the cutting off of the, the foreskin of the male penis when he turned eight days old. And any adult who wanted to uh, become a, a Judaizer, um, they would have their peat, the foreskin on their penis removed because that was the, the covenant that God made with Abraham. Okay. And it was passed down to Moses to give to the children of Israel. That was, um, that's why when you read in the Bible and you, you, um, read where they talk about, and those of the circumcision, the circumcision mean Jews. Okay. That's another name for the, for the Jewish people. And when they say those of the uncircumcision, they are talking about the Gentiles because the Gentiles were ne never circumcised. We have a better circumcision, circumcision of the heart. Okay, that's why it's easy for us to love those who have the seal of the Holy Spirit in, implanted in our hearts. Okay, it's easy for us to love. We are circumcised in the heart, not the foreskin of the male penis. Okay, um... Let's do verse 11 again, because I don't just want to read the latter part. Verse 11 in him, him who Jesus also, you were circumcised with a circum circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh. Me, and I just explained that to you by the circumcision of Christ. We are circumcised by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Remember God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit, the circumcision of Christ, which is uh, embedded in our hearts. Verse 12 having been buried with him in baptism, talking about water baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, um, for those of you who don't know, but those of you who listen to me on a regular basis, I have already explained to you that water baptism is symbolic to the death burial and resurrection of Christ. And that is what Paul is talking about. We were all buried uh, with Christ in water baptism, representing his death, his burial and resurrection. Okay. Verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, meaning we did not receive that circumcision, talking about the men with the cutting off of the foreskin of the male penis, God made alive made who alive us, the Gentiles together with him, having forgiven us all trespasses, underline that word all because all excludes nothing. Having forgiven us all trespasses, every sin you ever committed in life is forgiven in Christ because of the blood he shed on that cross. He died for our sins. Okay. That is what his death was all about. Dying for our sins. All 
It doesn't matter what you did. So I want to encourage you today to stop beating up on yourself because of what you did. Remember the old covenant? You had to bring the priest, the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies once a year to offer up animal sacrifices for his sins first because he was a sinner and then the sins of the people. We no longer have to do that because Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed and, and sacrificed for our sins is sufficient for all sins. Meaning, like John said, that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That blood still has power today and that blood is still cleansing you today. No matter what you have done, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. If you can remember under the old covenant, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies behind the veil once a year to offer up animal sacrifices first for himself and then for the people. He did that once a year. That blood covered sins. Okay. And it reminded you of your sins, but the blood of Jesus under the new covenant washes our sins away into the sea of forgetfulness. And I want you to remember in first John is either first John or second John. It says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you do unintentionally in the future. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. We don't use or God do, does not accept animal sacrifices today. It's the blood of Jesus. And Christ was only crucified once and for all. And his blood is still vibrant today and is still strong enough to forgive us our sins. Whenever we sin and we confess our sins, like John says, confess your sins and God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and put emphasis on that word all. It doesn't matter what you have done in the past. It doesn't matter what you do today. It doesn't matter your future sins. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now here's the kicker. If your sinning is based on because you know that the blood of Jesus is going to forgive you your sins and be, a, be the sacrifice for your sins. If you confess them, then that means your heart ain't right because those who are in Christ should not be sinning on purpose. But if we stumble because we are still in this flesh now, there's nobody on this planet that is that is perfect. Trust what I tell you. No one is perfect. That's why Jesus's blood is still relevant today. He is not going to be crucified again. Uh, -uh. His blood is still relevant and vibrant and acceptable today for our sins. Those who are in Christ, only those who are in Christ, those who are outside of Christ will be judged by the law. Okay. Meaning they are condemned already and they are condemned to where? hell already. Those who are in Christ are saved. And uh, so I want you guys to pick up on this now. If your thought process is, well, I'm going to just live any kind of way I want because I know I'm forgiven. That means you ain't saved. You have to remember what, what Paul told the Corinthian church. He said, because they were cutting up over there. He said, you know, I have to question whether or not you are in the faith because of your lifestyles. 
Cause, and, and you need to also remember in the same letter that John wrote, uh, the second letter, he tells you how to identify a Christian. So don't be deceived now. Oh, yes, God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. But are you sinning because you know you are going to be forgiven? And if that is your thought process, then chances are nine times out of ninety nine point nine 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 times you ain't saved. You shouldn't even be thinking like that. So um, let's pick up at uh, verse 14 by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, talking about the law, especially the Jew, the Jews and the Gentiles are not under that law. We are under grace anyway. And what Paul is saying here is that you have to remember having forgiven us of all trespasses, the end of verse 13 and beginning at 14 by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, mean, meaning the law, because condemnation came with the law. But forgiveness comes under grace. Hallelujah. Honey, you should be running around in your living room, tearing up, flipping over stuff. Don't break no glass, though. <laughs> this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Nailing what to the cross? The legal demands from the law. That died with Christ. And if you guys who are listening for the first time did not hear my episode where um, about the letter to the Hebrews, the most important letter to the world, you need to read that so you can understand why God abolished the law. The law died with Christ on the cross. It was never for Gentiles and it wasn't given to us under the new covenant. We are saved by grace through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So remember that. Now let's read verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Christ triumphed over Satan his rulers, and everybody else who were uh, supposed to be under the law but wasn't keeping all of it, just certain segments of it, he triumphed when he rose from the dead, okay? Verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. Here we go. Y'all get ready. Write this down. Verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon, or a Sabbath. And the Jewish people had weekly Sabbaths. They didn't have just one Sabbath. They had several weekly Sabbaths. And right here, he's telling you, don't let no one judge you. That's what Paul is saying. In regards to these things, keeping a festival, or a new moon, or, or a Sabbath, let no one judge you of that. You don't have to keep any of that because they were abolished with Christ on the cross. Okay, verse 17, these are, are a shadow of the things to come, meaning that's what they used to do until Christ came. They were a shadow of the things that came, okay? And in another version, it has it written correctly, but I just wanted to read the, the ESV. Um, these are a shadow of the things to come. They came already, the new covenant. When Christ died on the cross, he took the laws with him. But the substance belongs to Christ. The substance. That's the substance of your salvation. The substance of you being reconciled to God. It belongs to Christ. Not no food. Not a festival. Not a new moon. Not a Sabbath. Christ. 
We are complete in Christ. 18, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism, okay, and worship of angels. Lord have mercy. People are actually worshiping angels, okay? Now, when I said asceticism, now I want, let me explain to you what that is. It is suggesting uh, the practice of severe self-discipline, okay, and abstention from all forms of indulgence, meaning, you know, watching what you eat or for religious reasons, okay? We have to keep in mind, it doesn't matter what you eat. It has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with reconciling you to God, okay? Now let's pick up um, uh, at verse 18 again. Let no one disqualify you. Did you hear that? Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Yes, they had some worshiping angels back in the day. Okay, going on in detail about visions, saying that they saw visions from angels and this is what God is telling them to do. Don't fall for that because the canon of scripture is closed. People were being so deceived back in the biblical days. God left all of these writings for us today so that we would not be deceived. If you are deceived today, that's because you want to be. Okay. That is because you want to be. Um, let me pick up where it says about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Okay. His deceived mind. Cause that's what it is. People are allowing themselves to be deceived because you know what? Everybody want to be the man. Oh, God spoke to me. They want to exalt themselves above Jesus. Oh, God spoke to me. And this is what he is saying now. No, the canon of scripture is closed. And if you, we cannot add to the scriptures and we can't take away from it. And we are more blessed today than the people were back in the biblical days because we have more documentation to follow. It's when you stray away from doctrine that is written by the apostles and that is written in this Bible. That's when you are deceived. Okay, verse 19, and not holding fast to the head. Who is the head? Christ. That's who we are supposed to be following. Christ, the teachings of Christ. Okay, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. That's who holds us together. Jesus. Okay, so don't be listening to people who's coming to you talking about they got they had a vision from God. What vision? If it's not in line with this word, it ain't come from God because God is not the author of confusion. And if you have something to tell people that is contrary to what is already written or especially what came out of Christ's mouth, it didn't come from God. The devil is clever. OK, and he will deceive you in any way, shape or form if you allow him. And the Bible is clear. It says he can deceive even the elect. The elect are God's chosen people in Christ. If possible, that's what the scripture says. If possible, he can't deceive me because I'm sticking with the word. I don't care what you say or what anybody say. I'm sticking with the word. OK, let me read 19 again. Okay. And not holding fast to the head. The head is Jesus 
from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. That's Jesus. He's the head of the church. Verse 20. If, um, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Now he's talking about regulations made by man. Why are you submitting to that? If you are in Christ and died with him, uh, death, burial, and resurrection, that was the purpose of your baptism, symbolic to the death burial and resurrection of Christ. When you came up out of that, out of that water, you're supposed to be a new person. So why are you listening to the regulations of man? Verse 21, do not handle, do not taste talking about food or other things. You can't touch this. That's what do not handle mean or do not taste, do not touch 22 referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts of and teachings. Verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom. That's how you are deceived. They have an appearance of wisdom. See, the bottom line is your flesh always want to do something. And so these deceivers come into the church telling you, you need to do this and you can't do that. And then your flesh is adopting to it because your flesh want to do something. If you don't feed your flesh fleshly food, you will physically die. You know that. And it is the same as your spirit man. If you don't feed your spirit man spiritual food, which is the word of God, anybody can come in and kill your spirit with some different teachings and doctrines. See, I'm so full of the word. Let me tell you, you can't come to me with no foolishness and false doctrine because the word of God that's already implanted in me through my studies will automatically come up and then combat what you are saying. And that's how all of God's people are supposed to be. So let's pick up at 21 again. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Verse 22, refer, referring to the things that all perish as they are used. Now, this is referring to food. No matter what you eat, it's going to go through your digestive system and come out of your rectum. That's what it's going to do. And that's male or female. It's going to come out of your rectum and it's going to perish. So how do you think not eating a pork chop going to send you to heaven? I, I, just tell me that. How do you think not eating meat going to send you to heaven when God says you can eat whatever you want? Just pray over it. Just pray over it. Pray over your food. Because animals were put here for our pleasure. Certain animals I choose to eat. Some I won't eat because... It doesn't taste good to me. That's all. But I can eat whatever I want and so can you. Okay. Verse 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. Did y'all hear that? But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You know what that means? They have no value in stopping you from sinning. Only the spirit of Christ can. Only the spirit of Christ can. So you can eat whatever you want. It means nothing. And like I said, if you don't watch your flesh, your flesh will turn on you in a heartbeat. Do you hear me? Now we are getting ready to go into chapter three. And I'm going to be reading from the, uh, the contemporary English version. Okay. Uh, chapter three. So if you have that version, Hey, lucky you. 
um, beginning at verse one, you have been raised to life with Christ. Now set your heart on what is in heaven where Christ rules at God's right hand or God's right side. Verse two, think about what is up there, not about what is here on earth. Verse three, you died, which means that your life is hidden with Christ. Oh, that's so spiritual. But if you can get this concept, if you can understand what that verse just said, you will be so happy. Oh, you wouldn't have any worries in the world. You died, which means that you, your life is hidden with Christ. Okay. Whatever happens, God sees Christ. It doesn't matter what we do down here. If we are in Christ, God sees his son, Jesus. That's why we are forgiven for everything we do. Okay. Everything we do. Verse four. Um, no, let me read three again. Cause I didn't complete it. Verse three, you died, which means that your life is hidden with Christ who sits beside God at his right hand. Okay. Verse four. Christ gives meaning to your life. And when he appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad to know that my life is hidden in Christ. Hallelujah. And whenever I do something, because I am a child of God, hidden in his son in Christ, God sees Jesus and what he did on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse five. Don't be controlled by your body kill every desire for the wrong kind of sex. Now this is where Christians don't like to hear this. This is where you find out who the phony ones are. Okay. The make believe Christians. Okay. Want to say, want to mention Jesus name, but really don't know him. Now we know there are four things that we were told to abstain from and the Holy spirit stamped it with his seal. When the apostles went up to Jerusalem and they told, they, they mentioned that the Gentiles didn't have to follow no law because the Jews who, who did believe in Christ. Okay. This is found in the book of Acts and the book of Romans who did believe in Christ was still trying to make Gentiles follow the law. No, we don't have to follow the laws of Moses. And for those who are listening for the first time, I've already mentioned this to my regular listeners. We're not talking about the laws of the land. Okay. There were certain things written in the laws that God gave Moses for the children of Israel for, um, the Jews not to do certain meats they had to abstain from. There were certain animals which were considered to be clean animals that the priest would offer up. Well, the high priest would offer up once a year for his sins and then the sins of the people. Now, so what we are being told is that we don't have to follow that. We can eat whatever we want. You know, the blood of Jesus is our sacrifice and, 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 and so forth. But we still must live holy. Now we are not saved by works. Okay. We are not saved by what sins we don't commit. Let me make that clear. And we already read where we are complete in Christ. Okay. So it doesn't matter what we abstain from, because if we try to abstain from something for salvation, that means we are not saved by grace. You know, grace is God's unmerited favor. It's nothing we did is that God chose us. <laughs> we didn't choose to not do something um, related to works to be saved. Okay. But right here, 
in verse five, we are being told beginning at verse five about living holy. That's all. It has nothing to do with our salvation. And I'm going to try to explain this to you because we have a lot of false teachers who are trying to convince you that you need to abstain from certain things to be saved. No, that's not what this says, but I want you to listen, listen, because none of us are perfect. So how in the world are we going to abstain from something, some things and we're not perfect? We are going to fall. If a just man falls seven times, the Lord is able to pick him up again. The just man are those who are justified in Christ. Okay. Verse five, don't be controlled by your body. Kill every desire for wrong kinds of sex, meaning sexual immorality. We were told to abstain from that by the apostle Paul saying that, look, so we can do well, because remember, you will still be held accountable here. If you go out there and have unprotected, uh, unprotected sex and you catch a disease, you are being held accountable. Not that God put it on you. Satan used it as an opportunity to get you. Oh, you want to be follow Christ, right? Okay, I'm going to catch you as soon as you open up a door for me to come in. He, you open up a door if you go and you commit adultery, if you go and you commit fornication, or if you go and commit any type of sexual immorality, it opens up a door for Satan to get you. Okay, even if a husband or a wife have to come home and catch their spouse um, committing adultery and then that person kills the two because your spouse opened up a door for Satan to come in and get him and you, you going to jail for the rest of your life and then your spouse dead along with the person he committed adultery with. He or she committed adultery with. So don't give the devil a foothold here. Um, so let's continue reading verse five. I'm at the latter part of verse five. Don't be immoral or indecent or have evil thoughts. Don't be greedy, which is the same as worshiping idols. Now here's the thing. Idolatry is worshiping idol gods and it's always associated with greed. If you covet or want something someone else has, that's a part of idolatry being greedy, wanting what other people have. So it's saying for us not to do that. Okay. Christians shouldn't do that. Verse six, God is angry with people who disobey him by doing these things. Verse seven. And this is exactly what you did. This is past tense because Paul is writing to the Christians. Okay. These are things you shouldn't be involved in anymore. When you lived past tense among people who behaved in this way, verse eight, but now you must stop doing such things. Now he's telling this to Christians. We are still saved. So he's saying, if you're doing them, you got to stop now because most people only do what they were taught to do. And if you know better, you do better, which is why you have to renew your mind with the word of God. The word of God is his will. We need to learn his will so that we can be obedient because a lot of us are disobedient unintentionally because we never learned his will. New converts to Christianity, those who accept Christ as Lord and Savior, you don't automatically know God's will because the Holy Spirit sits in your heart. The Holy Spirit is what reveals the truth to you. Okay. The Holy Spirit should be, look, revealing to you when someone is giving you false information, the Holy spirit will tug on you and say, I don't you receive that. Don't you receive that? And here's the key. If someone tells you something and claims it's related to God, look for it in scripture, tell them to give you a scripture for it. And if they can't give it to you, don't receive that. 
don't receive that. Now, right here, God wants us to live holy. This is nothing new. How do you think we supposed to be set apart from the world? If we going to, if we are going to continue to do the things of the world, we can't be separate from the world. If we going to be just like it, no one will know that you are a saint or a believer because you out there practicing the exact same things. The worldly people who are already condemned and going to hell using a first class ticket. You acting just like them. So Paul is saying, look, verse seven again, and this is exactly what you did. We don't do this anymore. When you lived among people who behaved in this way, verse eight, but now you must stop doing such things. You must quit being angry. Those of you who have an anger problem, God can heal you. Remember, because the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Being angry is a form of unrighteousness. Okay. Being hateful and evil. Okay, Paul says we have to stop being that way. You must no longer say insulting or cruel things about others. Verse nine, and stop lying to each other. You have given up your old way of life with with its habits. That's what Paul is saying. If you died and were buried with Christ and you are hidden in Christ because you have to incorporate all of these scriptures. Okay, in your spirit. That means we have given up all of these things. Paul is saying this is our past behavior. That's our old nature. That's our flesh. Okay. Because our flesh is always going to crave evil. Your flesh is not saved. Your spirit is. Oh, let me say that again. Your flesh is not saved. Your spirit is. Remember, God is the father of spirits, not of the flesh. We have earthly fathers. That's the father of our flesh. But the father that we now have is the father of spirits. Our recreated spirit is what was born again, not our flesh. Because, you know, when you accepted Christ and you had pimples, you still had those pimples after you accepted Christ. You still have those pimples today. OK, you still have those that birthmark because your flesh is not born again. Your spirit man is. But here's the thing. If you are led by the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So allow your spirit man to, to control your flesh. We know some Christians who are, who are not allowing their spirit man to control their flesh. Either they don't know the word, they know the word and just decided to just follow their flesh. Either one is, is, is really no good and is not acceptable by God. If you are allowing your flesh to dictate what you do and how you treat people. Well, my friend, I have to question just like Paul did the Corinthian church, whether or not you are in the flesh. I have to question that. And then you need to question that. You need to question what's in your heart. Because if your heart is full of evil, if it's full of racism, if it's full of prejudice, if it's full of hate, if your heart leads you to support evil, to support hate, to support racism and to support prejudice, God is not in your heart. Because he can't reside in a heart full of hate. You got to remember, God is contrary to hate. Okay? He is contrary to hate. So if your heart is filled with hate, and you can claim your heart is filled with love, but if you support hate, the Bible says you are no different from the people that you support. That's Bible. That's word. Birds of a feather flock together. That phrase is not in the Bible, but the principles are. You will walk with the type of people that you support. There's no way I will pledge an allegiance to a party, a Republican party or a Democratic party. Those parties are created by man. 
why would I allege or pledge an allegiance to those parties? My allegiance is to Christ. That's where some, my, my salvation is. We have to seek those things that are above in heaven, not the things that are on the earth. Those are earthly things. Why would you? And I'm telling you, I know people who claim to be Christians. They will give up Christ to follow Republicans. Do you hear me? I know people who claim to be Christians who are Democrats. They'll give up Christ to follow Democrats, but can't think for themselves. If you are going to think you have the mind of Christ, not the mind of the, uh, the world or the things of the world, which are being controlled by Satan. Remember, you can't follow Satan and think you are, are, are following Christ or going to spend eternity with Christ. You have to be foolish to think that you cannot. Let me say that again. You cannot follow Satan and think that you are going to spend eternity with Christ. You cannot walk and hate your entire life on this planet and pledge an allegiance to a demonic group of people, a demonic organization, and think that you are going to spend eternity with Christ. You have already been deceived. Now let's pick up at verse 10. Each of you is now a new person. You are becoming more and more like your creator and you will understand him better. Verse 11, it doesn't matter if you are a Greek or a Jew or if you are circumcised or not. You may even be a barbarian or a Scythian, okay? And you may be a slave or a free person, yet Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us, all of who? Christians. Because if you are a non-believer in Christ, this is not for you. This is written strictly for Christians. Because like I said before, and I will continue to say when God gives me the breath to say it, that if you are outside of Christ, you are already condemned. So you can live it up, live however you want and think that you are going to heaven. Let me tell you this mystery. Everybody is going to heaven, but everybody is not staying because the great white throne judgment is in heaven. You will go there for your sentencing. Okay. Not to plead your case. For your sentencing and the only crime you committed that's going to send you to the lake of fire and brimstone for eternity is not believing in Christ. Jesus said, and the sin because they do not believe in me. I'm just saying, and in order for you to do better, you have to know better and you are learning better right now by hearing God's word. Yeah. By hearing God's word. Verse 12. God loves you and has chosen you as his own special people. Yes, that's who Christians are. That's who saints are. That's who believers are. God's own special people. It is no longer the Jews. Now, God still has some promises that he has to fulfill for the Jews. But the Jews are no longer God's chosen people. Christians are. Okay. So be gentle. Kind humble, meek, and patient. Verse 13, put up with each other and forgive one another who does you wrong. Just as Christ has forgiven you, you ought to forgive your fellow sister and brother in Christ if they do you wrong. Y'all need to talk about it, discuss it, come to a peaceful resolve and move forward. Because if Christ had thought about what we all did, 
and he already knew we weren't worthy, but he deemed us worthy to be saved. None of us would be saved today. So if Christ did that for us, if he forgave each and every one of us, why can't we forgive each other? Huh? Okay. Uh, food for thought. Verse 14. Love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together. Yes. The driving force for God to send his son or come down here and put on flesh was love. The driving force was love. It was love that brought Jesus to the cross. It was love that brought Jesus into the core of the earth for three days and three nights. It was love that raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 15. Each one of you is part of the body of Christ and you were chosen, were past tense, chosen to live together in peace. We all supposed to be on the same page. We were chosen to live together in peace. So let the peace that comes from Christ control your thoughts. Stop thinking like the world thinks and think like Christ. Okay. Christ is peaceful. Christ is the epitome of love. Okay. And be grateful. Okay. Verse 16. Let the message about Christ completely fill your lives while you use all your wisdom to teach and instruct each other with thankful hearts. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. Verse 17, whatever you say or do should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. As you give thanks to God, the Father, because of him. Because of who? Jesus. Verse 18, a wife must put her husband first. This is her duty as a follower of the Lord. Verse 19, a husband must love his wife and not abuse her. And you know, when Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, Galatians, and um, Philippians, he said that husbands should love their wives like Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. Christ protected the church. Christ healed the church. Christ provided for the church. That's what the role of the husband is. And you are not to abuse your wife. That is unacceptable. And any woman who is listening to my voice right now, under the sound of my voice, if you are being abused, you need to get out. Yes, you need to get out because there is life after divorce, honey. You ain't unsaved because you divorce. That has nothing to do with your salvation. All that's worldly stuff. Okay. Verse 20. Children must always obey their parents. This pleases the Lord. Verse 21. Parents, don't be hard on your children. If you are, they might give up. They might give up on Christ. You hold on a child, they'll say, this is what Christianity is about. I'm out of here. Uh, verse 22, slaves. Now, this is talking about bond servants. In today's age, we are talking about employers, okay? You must always obey your earthly masters. Try to please them at all times and not just when you think they are watching, meaning you are supposed to be a good employee even when your boss is not there, Okay. Honor the Lord and serve your masters, your employers, with your whole heart. Verse 23, meaning be sincere. Work for your money. Verse 23, do your work willingly as though you were serving the Lord himself and not just your earthly master. Verse 24, in fact, the Lord Christ is the one you are really serving and you know he will reward you. Verse 25, but Christ has no favorites. 
he will punish evil people just as they deserve. Christ has no favorites. Employers, masters, um, slaves, bond servants, or employees. Uh, God will pay you what you are worth. <laughs> okay. And what this is talking about is just peace. You got to remember God is a God of peace. He is not a God of confusion. He is not a God of chaos. He is a God of peace. Now we are getting ready to go into uh, chapter four and I'm switching to the NIV. So we are going to close out this episode with the NIV. I am in chapter four and beginning at verse one. Masters, provide your slaves or employees with what is right and fair. It says nothing about abuse. It says nothing about being inferior. Did you, did you hear what this says? Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. We have the same master. Employee or employer, master or slave, we have the same Lord, okay? The same God, and he is no respecter of persons. We just read that in uh, the last verse in chapter three, okay? Verse two, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Verse three, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery? That God is in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when I say God, I mean Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the mystery. And what the gospel actually is, the mystery of God can be preached and taught to people after they receive Christ. But the gospel is, you don't have to worry about anything anymore. Your sins are forgiven in the blood of Christ. He died for you on that cross. He is Lord because he raised, he, God raised him from the dead. So the gospel is that if you confess your, with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath that's coming to this earth. Everyone in Christ will not experience that wrath and it's going to be a horrible time. So let me read verse three again and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Verse four, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Verse five, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Verse six, let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. When people ask you a question about Jesus and why you are so happy in these days, you need to be able to share that reason. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. My sins are forgiven. And guess what? Your sins can be forgiven too. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know why he died on the cross? Do you know why God raised him from the dead? Now that is what Paul is talking about when he says, um, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You need to be able to share with people using scripture, why you are so happy in these days, because these days, you know what? The news is so depressing. Things that are, that are happening 
in this world, especially the U.S., because you, the U.S. is the most hypocritical country on the planet because they profess to be righteous and they're not. That makes them worse. At least these other countries that has these false gods and worshiping these, you know, these idol gods, at least they are believing in that idol God and standing on what they believe, but not the U.S. The U.S. is contrary to Jesus. The U.S. is contrary to the God who, who created the heavens and the earth, the God and, and the Lord of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God, the father of Jesus. The U.S. is contrary to that. And we have Christians so ignorant. They believe in everything that Satan says that's coming out of the White House. They believe in all. You know why? Because they don't know the word. How do you think? OK, tell me this. If God is that evil, I mean that evil, then what role do you think Satan is playing? Or has Satan convinced you that he's the good one? Because the Bible says in the Old Testament, woe to, to those who think good is evil. And that evil is good. Woe to that person. And I'm here to tell you, we have people. I see them at work every day. They think evil is good. And they think any type of good is evil. That is the epitome of deception. The epitome of it. How can you be that deceived? How? How can you believe that good is evil? Helping the poor is evil. When that's all Jesus and the apostles did was serve and help the poor. Jesus preached the gospel to the poor first. So how can you think helping the poor is evil? It's because you're evil. That's why you think helping the poor is evil. You got a prob problem with um, a a your allegiance to Christ, but you don't have a problem with pledging your allegiance to a crooked government. You don't have a problem with that. You have to remember when Paul was converted and the, he met the other apostles, they told Paul, don't forget about the poor. And Paul said, look, I was eager to help the poor anyway. So um, let's close this out, saints. Um, the latter part of verse six. No, let's read verse six again. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And we covered that. Verse seven. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Verse eight, I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Verse nine, he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. Yes, he is a saint and a believer too. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Verse 10, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God. See, there were some Jews who were converted. Okay, they were working with Paul. They were believers as well. So when I heard Farrakhan make a comment that the Jews didn't receive Jesus because they didn't believe that he was the Christ, that's a lie. The Jewish establishment did not receive Christ, but the common people received and heard him gladly. OK, so stop listening to these these false teachers. 
Okay. Now let me read that again. These are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God. They were the only Jews among Paul's coworkers, but they also had Jews at every church that Paul had set up. Okay. Um, let me read, uh, this latter part again. These are the only Jews among my coworkers for the kingdom of God. And they have proved a comfort to me. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is the pastor at the church in Colossae, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends his greeting. See him and Paul were in prison together. Oh, they were in prison for preaching the gospel and I would have been right alongside of them. Okay. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Verse 13, I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Verse 14, our dear friend Luke, the doctor and Demas, who later had forsaken Paul. And that's in one of the other letters Paul wrote, I think to the Ephesians or either Philippians that Demas had forsaken him having loved this present world. Demas went back into the world. Hmm. My Lord, I will never forsake God or his son Jesus to go back and follow the things of the world. My life have been 100% better following Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I hope a lot of you out there listening can say the same. Verse 14, our dear friend Luke, the doctor and Demas send greetings. Verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. Now I want to stop here before we move forward. Now, one of the reasons why I did not read from using the entire New King James is because out of all the other versions on this planet, the New King James and the traditional King James has an error in verse 15, where verse 15 says, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. The King James says the church in his house. Now you see, when you have an individual, just because they are scholars, let me tell you, some of them are flawed. We had prejudice and racist priests and pastors in the slavery days. That's how slavery was given the stamp of approval because of some of these crooked pastors. Now that doesn't mean a scholar can't be crooked. Why on earth with the new King James and the traditional King James have his church, when in fact it is her church. I consulted with the original Greek text. It is her, not his. Okay, now that's verse 15. You can read from the ESV, from the NIV, from the Amplified, from the Message, from the um, New Revised Standard Version from the NASB, it all has, and the church in her house. Now, this wasn't in one New King James, it's in all of them. It's in all of the New King James. Even though the New King James is a revision of the King James, it's supposed to have um, corrected uh, the majority, because I don't think they can correct all the errors, but at least this section. You cannot mistake in the word his for her. His is H-I-S. 
Her is H-E-R. So it was done on purpose. But here's the kicker. If you have the electronic version and you click on the number six next to the word her, it gives you the definition. I mean, next to the word his in the uh, King James and the New King James. And if you click on that number six, it gives you the definition and the word her in the Greek. But her doesn't mean his. Okay, so now that's how they put uh, uh, some um, a little correction there, but so that they can say when they are challenged that they weren't trying to deceive anyone. Yes, you were. Why do we have to click on the number six? Or if you have the Bible or paperback or a Bible um, that is not electronic, you can look in the center and the word his uh, have that number six to it. And then it would say her. Why do you have to do all of that? Now, you see why I tell you that it's not good to have one version of the Bible? Because some of them, uh, the majority of them have errors in them. And if you don't read the Greek, the original Greek text of these scriptures or the original Hebrew text of the scriptures, you will never know where the errors are. That's why it is crucial that you follow someone who's telling you the truth. Mm hmm. I didn't have to tell you that because if you have the original King James following uh, me right now or the new King James, you will see the word he is there. But that's not that's not correct. OK, it is an incorrect word. And the people who who translated the new King James, they know it's incorrect. So what they did was put that that number six next to the word his. And if you look in the center of your Bible and look for the number six, it'll have her next to it. That's the correction. Why didn't they just put the correct word right here in this sentence? Hmm. Okay. We don't need, I don't need to, um, prolong this, this ending any further. Okay. Verse 16. After this letter has been read to you, See that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and, and that you in turn read the letter from the Laodiceans. Paul had also sent the church in Laodicea a letter. So he want that church read in the Coloss the uh, Colossians church as well. So you have to remember, and I talked about this earlier in this episode, we shouldn't just be reading verses. Paul said, read the letter. Why aren't you reading the entire letter, you leaders, you, you teachers of the gospel, you pastors and bishops? Why aren't you reading the full letters? Why? Because you want to twist the doctrine of the apostles. You want to read a scripture and then go off on a tangent and take people into another stratosphere that has nothing to do with Jesus. And it has nothing to do with helping these people with their issues. Nothing whatsoever. You are to read entire letters. Even if you have to turn it into a series like Romans, it will have to be a series. I think a, a six part series when I finally get there and first and second Corinthians may be a 10 part series, but I will read those entire chapters. You can't just read a scripture and then just go off into another stratosphere and have people in there shouting when then when they leave out the church and you ask them, well, what you learned today? They can't tell you. Oh, pastor laid it out today. What pastor laid out? And then they look at you like a deer in the headlights. That's how they look at you. 
because people of God are not trained. They are not being taught the word of God. But I, let me tell you this. As long as you listen to learning Bible truth, you are going to hear the authentic word of God. You are going to hear entire chapters, entire scriptures. So if you are not going to read the Bible or read the scriptures, guess what? We will bring the scriptures to you. Uh, verse 16 again, because it is so important. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from the Laodiceans because Paul has sent the letters to both. Now the church to the Laodiceans was never found. So it could not be added to these scriptures. Other than that, it would be included in the writings of Paul, the apostle Paul, but they never found it. Just like um, letters he wrote to the Corinthian church, it was actually four, but we only have first and second Corinthians. So two of those letters are missing. Yeah, two of those letters are missing. So it should be first, second, third, and fourth, but we don't have all of them. So only the ones they found, they included in these writings in the New Testament. Okay. Uh, where were we? Verse 17, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Now he's telling that church in, in Colossians to tell Archippus or Archippus to see to it that he complete the ministry that he, he received from the Lord. Okay. Verse 18. And it was just an encouragement. That's all. I was just making joke of it. Um, verse 18, I, Paul, Write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, remember I told y'all Paul always ends his letters or epistles uh, by writing and signing his name. And it's always in his introduction that he always um, reveal his name. So why would, wouldn't he have done that for the letter to the Hebrews? So we know that Paul did not write the letter to the Hebrews. It was an apostle. He knew all the other apostles and he got the Jesus thing head on. And, but it just wasn't Paul. So I hope you were blessed by this episode, which is Paul's letter to the Colossians. Now, with that said, um, next week, I told y'all we are moving to the Old Testament. Yes, I am going to read the writings of one of the prophets that was chosen by the almighty God to warn the children of Israel. I will not reveal which prophet that I will be reading about, but I can assure you it will be a prophet in the old Testament. So I know that's a huge change. This is going to be my first time reading from the old Testament since God led me to start this podcast. So with that said, we are still under this pandemic. If you have to go out in public, wear a face mask to protect others and make sure you practice social distancing. Social distancing is you standing at least six to eight feet from someone else. If you practice and follow these simple guidelines issued by the CDC, they are the experts. We can get through this pandemic. I'm telling you. So with that said, saints, I love you. God loves you. And I truly appreciate 
each and every one of you for wanting to hear the truth. And I can assure you, as long as I have breath in my body and as long as the Lord allows me to have this platform, you will hear the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So until next time, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public, and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.